Welcome to Breaking Through. I'm Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Today's episode is part of my special podcast series, Where We Are Now. This series highlights the top doctors and researchers who are working day and night to help bring an end to the COVID-19 pandemic. They are working on the front lines and behind the scenes to better understand COVID-19 and to make breakthroughs the world needs right now. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Susan Coffin. Dr. Coffin is Clinical Director of CHOP's Division of Infectious Diseases. Dr. Coffin has a background in public health, and she's part of the team that's leading CHOP's COVID-19 response. She is also doing some really fascinating work to better understand how COVID-19 affects children. Dr. Coffin, since we're recording this interview remotely, let's begin by describing where we are right now. I'm in my office on the 20th floor of the Roberts Center for Pediatric Research. Where are you? And I'm sitting in my family room, in my home, probably just a few blocks away. I've set up shop in my family room with the table, and I have made this my, uh, my office away from, uh, from work. Dr. Coffin, has your experience in public health informed your work during this pandemic? It definitely has. For somebody with my background and interest in public health and infectious diseases, this is an amazing, although very frightening moment. It really distills all of the training and principles of prevention and control that are just drilled into an infectious disease or public health practitioner. I think all of us who are involved with pediatric care right now are essentially public health practitioners. And how is COVID-19 different from other diseases you've studied? You know, I have been involved in studying a variety of other emerging diseases, such as preparing for the Ebola outbreak or in 2009 when we had pandemic influenza. But this outbreak has been really different. And I think it's because we're starting with a truly blank slate. We knew nothing about this virus as it began to emerge this winter. It seems like we learn something new every day. What's the most interesting thing that you've learned so far? I think probably most striking to me is the clinical picture of coronavirus infections. This is a virus that has such a diverse array of symptoms, ranging from nearly trivial and not discernible respiratory symptoms to life-threatening lower respiratory tract infections, stroke, and shock-like syndromes. I struggle to think of another respiratory virus that has this array of different syndromes associated with it. I guess on that front, there are probably so many questions that we need answered. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing in that pursuit? What type of research are you conducting to learn more about the disease? One of the questions that most interests me is the question that has immediate clinical relevance to us at CHOP, which is how exactly is this virus being transmitted? Already we've learned a ton about how it's transmitted in principle. We know that respiratory droplets are what carry the virus from one person to another. But the things we don't know are what are the things that make one exposed person get an infection versus another exposed person not get an infection? Why is it that one out of five or one out of ten people living in the same household will get the infection? Why is it that young children seem to be infected about half as frequently as adults? And it's those determinants of infection that I think are going to lead us to really important future interventions to prevent as well as to treat coronavirus. 
And you spoke about children and how this manifests in children. And on that front, I think parents have so many questions about their children and activities. Can you tell me how you're advising them and what are the most frequent questions you're being asked about the virus? I think one of the big puzzles that remains incompletely answered is what is safe and not safe to do when you're the parent of a young child? How do we actually take the observation that children are less frequently infected and less frequently become seriously ill and apply it to the way we make decisions as parents? And that's a tough one. And I think that decisions around whether or not you choose to begin to have more careful social activities with a trusted family who has a similar approach to your family in terms of prevention activities, or remain fairly sequestered and not begin to do slightly more social activities is really at the crux of what most families want help thinking through. I think this gets to their own individual values and feelings about risk and risk tolerance, and also who else is in their family. Do they have people in their family who have high risk of getting really sick if coronavirus was to enter their household? And I'm sure families are asking you questions about return to school and camp and sports. How are you responding to some of these questions? I think that, again, it is hard to give a single answer to a parent who's trying to make an important decision about their child re-entering different social activities. I think the things to weigh are whether or not you have confidence that the camp, the school, the childcare setting to which you would be taking your child has a good understanding of what they need to be doing, has the right resources to do it, and is really committed to doing all they can to minimize transmission in their setting. I think the other thing is taking stock of your home and your degree of risk tolerance. Do you have a grandparent living with you? Is your partner someone who has a high-risk condition? All of those factor into what I think are very personal equations to make these decisions. That's really great advice and some real specifics. And certainly, as you say, there's a judgment there. I can't imagine what it's like to be you right now because I know you're getting asked so many questions by everybody in the CHOP community and the, in the community at large. Just wanted to get your thoughts about that. Well, it's such a funny combination of things. There definitely is fatigue and lots of concern and stress. But coupled with that is this surprising amount of satisfaction and intellectual invigoration. I've studied public health and infectious diseases my whole life, and I've never had an opportunity to push myself and learn as much and as quickly as I have been learning over the past several months. So while this is incredibly challenging for all of us, for me, it is a uniquely fascinating moment in time. What's the most important thing that all of us can do to help slow the spread of the virus? Well, you know, we talk so much about masking and maintaining six feet distance in the context of our work as healthcare providers. The one additional thing that I think we don't spend quite enough time talking about is how we slowly expand our bubble, 
how do we go from being a household that really has almost no contact with people outside of our workplace, if we're an essential worker, to begin to open ourselves and interact more with an extended family member, a trusted and very dear neighbor. And I think the one thing that I haven't myself thought enough about and stressed enough is the importance of doing this really slowly. I think we're all so desperate for human contact that there's a temptation to go from zero to 70 in over one week, um, all of a sudden to expand your bubble from two to 50. And this is not the time to do that, unfortunately. I think we need to be very slow in expanding the number and types of contacts we have in our social settings. Dr. Coffin, I think we're all looking for some bright spots during this really difficult and uncertain time. One thing that gives me hope is the number of physician scientists around the world that are really focused on pursuit of a vaccine and other treatments for COVID-19. What gives you hope? I think for me, the most hopeful and touching thing has been the amount of gratitude I see expressed in all sorts of ways, you know, walking to work over the South Street Bridge. Every week, there's a new drawing in colored chalk thanking people who are heading off to the hospitals. There's signs and balloons decorating the neighborhoods. You walk in and stand in line at Wawa for a cup of coffee, and people are pausing and thanking the checkout clerk for being there and putting themselves at perhaps some degree of risk in order that we can go get a cup of coffee on the way to work. That sort of openness and expressions of warmth and gratitude are not something I've experienced before to this extent. And it's really, it's a wonderful and marvelous silver lining of this tough experience. Yeah, it's just a real slice of humanity that we're seeing show up yeah. everywhere around us. I, I love I love that observation. I always close by asking my guests about their personal breakthroughs. So Dr. Coffin, could you tell me about your biggest breakthrough moment? Well, I think in considering the experience that I've been having as coronavirus has settled in Philadelphia, my ability to move beyond my traditional work as a hospital epidemiologist focusing on infection control in healthcare settings. One of the most satisfying things that I've had an opportunity to do is to take the principles and concepts that I've learned and worked on for years in healthcare settings and apply them to non-healthcare settings, apply them to schools, to shelters, to businesses. And that's really been an incredibly interesting and exciting new phase that I'm getting to experience through this difficult time. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Dr. Susan Coffin, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you very much for asking me to have this conversation with you. It's really interesting to take a pause in my day-to-day work and think about all of the experiences I and we as a hospital have had together over the past six months. To learn more about how you can be part of tomorrow's breakthroughs at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, please visit chop.edu giving. At CHOP, we make breakthroughs every day. I'm Madeline Bell. Thank you for listening.